Welcome to Building Bridges, the podcast that explores the journeys of individuals who have overcome challenges and forged their path to success professionally and in life. Join us as Amish Shaw, CEO at Chemcrest, sits down with associates, executives, and industry partners to delve into the inspiring stories that shape their own pursuits. Whether it's finding the strength to persevere, developing effective leadership skills, or fostering resilience in the face of adversity, Building Bridges is here to inspire, inform, and empower you on your own journey. Without further ado, this is Building Bridges. So I'm excited to launch Chemcrest's new podcast, Building Bridges. A value of Chemcrest is to make a lasting impact, and certainly one way to do that is to help build bridges for our associates, community, and customers. As we kick off this podcast, it seems natural to invite Sarah Barnhart to our fir- as our first guest. As the Chief Human Resource Officer, her mission in life is to build bridges and ensure great experiences for our Chemcrest associates. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Great. So as we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, family, hobbies, and why you chose a career in people? Great question. So um, I am married. I have two girls, eight and 10. They just had their birthdays. And my parents actually moved, relocated back or to Michigan, I should say, from where I grew up in New Jersey to be closer to us. I have a brother. His name is David. He's six years younger than me. And he lives in Portland, Oregon, and brews beer. And my hobbies right now I'm not really in a big hobby season mm. because of the ages of my kids I like to spend all so my kids are your hobbies free time with them mm. mm-hmm. they're in competitive dance which keeps us pretty busy on the weekends um, but outside of spending time with them I really value my friends and I, I make a lot of time for them as well why I chose a career in people It's kind of a loaded question. There's a lot of reasons why I chose a career in people. Um, But I would say to to summarize it is I get deep satisfaction from helping others grow and succeed. And it feels like a privilege that I get to be a small part of that. That's great. So really, building bridges is a passion of yours. So it does make sense for you to be our first guest. Um, Competitive dance. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So the girls joined a, uh, actually they've both been dancing since they were two years old, but not competitively. Wow. Um, just as a hobby, right? their hobby. Um, we did a lot of dance parties during COVID. That's how we passed the time when we were all stuck inside. Uh, so I think I also sort of fueled their, their love for dance. I'm not a good dancer, but I do. Well, I've seen you dance. It's, it's pretty yeah, good. It's not good. It's pretty good. It's not good. Uh, but it's a great outlet and uh, a great outlet for energy and a way to um, connect with other people. Uh, anyway, so they joined um, a dance company. It's, it's a wonderful program. While it's competitive, it's also very supportive. It's a great parent group. Mm. Uh, we really you know, cheer for the kids and take care of each other. Uh, and they've, they've developed already lifelong friends. It's great. It's great. So back to the theme of building bridges, when you think of the term building bridges, what's the first thing that comes to mind and how do you define this in a corporate setting? Hmm. So what the first thing that comes to mind is actually this phrase that uh, I I have thought a lot about being in in the position I'm in um, relative to 
architecting an organization. And so the first thing that comes to mind when I think about building bridges is architecting collaboration and architecting connection, mm. architecting uh, community, architecting clarity, architecting success. Some of the, I guess, characteristics that I would think about and call it build, uh, bridge building or even architecting certain things would be collaboration. Can you talk a little bit about you specifically and even the HR organization at Chemcrest, how does collaboration come into play and how do you feel like that's a critical piece of bridge building? It's a great question. You know, when I think about successful HR professionals and what, what separates them from others, it really is the ability to have a true partnership with the business. And, and that means collaborating at every step of the process. So any change, any initiative, any new customer, mm. any, really anything that's happening in the business, you know, comes down to people and how people navigate through that either exciting or hard change. And so when I think about the, the value that HR can bring in every aspect and role in HR, it really is around um, spending time deeply understanding the business and deeply understanding the people and helping mm. leaders to, to create those connections so that whatever it is we're trying to implement as an organization, uh, we have the collaboration and we have the connection in order to succeed. Great. So that's that's a good segue to um, a quotation that I heard. The best way to build bridges between people is to be curious about each other, listen, and learn. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about that and, and you really think about this element of employee engagement, I know employee engagement is really, really important to you. It's really important to the organization. Can you talk a little bit about maybe different things that you've done that might be differentiated for our organization? is specifically around how to build employee engagement. When I think about employee engagement, one of the phrases that I heard recently is that engagement is a ground game. So everybody does, everybody, almost everybody does an engagement survey. And it gives us really good data. And it gives us a glimpse into the hearts and minds of how people are feeling. But it doesn't necessarily give us the context mm. of why and how to make it better. The other thing about the engagement survey that doesn't really differentiate it uh, from other organizations is that it happens once or twice a year. So I think to differentiate engagement in our organization, it has to be consistent. And how we are working to make it more consistent is really putting the employee at the center of any mm -hmm. program that we have any initiative we have, decision-making we have, and it doesn't necessarily mean that we're always going to please every person every time, but if every single time before we move forward with an initiative, we stop and recenter on how is this gonna positively impact the employees, and how is this going to change long-term business results, long-term retention, right? To me, the score, I love, I love keeping score. I love a scoreboard, I love data, you know this. But really, and the engagement score is, is a number. What, what I think differentiates and why I'm so passionate about engagement is it should drive business results mm -hmm. because engaged employees will put um, 
you know, discretionary effort into their job, they'll go above and beyond. Um, engaged employees are likely to stay in an organization. And through time, when times are tough, they're also likely to give the organization and leaders the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that's great. I feel like you're looking at my questions because that definitely rolls into to the next question that I have is you'd mentioned putting employees and associates in the center of everything that we do. Um, so why don't you talk about that? I, I know a lot of companies try and say that that's what they do, but the reality is is that it, it sometimes becomes window dressing. So here at Chemcrest, um, how do you feel that we put employees in the center of everything that we do? Yeah, I totally agree with you. It, it can absolutely be a slogan that mm-hmm. people don't live by. And I think, you know, when I think about putting employees at the center of everything we do, what that requires for me is a few things. One, the um, maybe discipline to co-create with employees. And when you co-create with somebody, it takes more time and Um, And sometimes it can feel as though things are slower than they should be. But what ends up happening is you you have the ability to really center the employee and understand what truly matters. I think a lot of companies say they want to do it, but they go wrong because they have somebody sitting in an office creating these programs that um, feel like they're going to hit the mark. But they don't truly hit the mark. So when I think about some of the things that... Chemcrest has done over many years, and long before I got here, um, the the values of the organization of em- empathy and making an impact and caring about people. When that's ingrained in how you show up every day, being centering employees and being employee centric is just part of the fabric. It's not it's not another catchphrase. It's not a program we have. It's the way that we make decisions and the way that we act and show up for each other every day. So I also know um, some things that you brought to the table include like strategic workforce planning, and that, that can be maybe defined as a, as a process, but I think a really key element to that process around talent. Mm-hmm. And talent, 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 as you've been preaching it since the moment that you walked in the door, and actually when we look around the organization, we look at the talent that we've been able to bring in, and, and I would say it's unarguable, um, the impact that it's had on the organization. So talk a little bit about talent and, you know, we're talking about putting the employee in the middle of everything that we do. We're talking about engagement. What role does talent play in, in that whole process? Yeah. Talent's a big word, um, and it, it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. And when I, when I think about what, what, what is a talented employee, I think of somebody that is um, striving to be the best for themselves and for the company and for our customers and for our community. And I also think of the, the skills and abilities that come naturally to you. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about and I'm really excited to bring to our organization is a strengths-based culture mm-hmm. where we allow employees to self-discover through this framework and through a, a common language the, the talents they have that make them a superhero. And what I found over, over many years of studying strengths and being a strengths coach is that most of the time you have to help somebody kind of identify what those talent is that their talents are Mm. and that it actually is usually the thing that 
maybe irks the team or maybe irks themselves because it's different and it's unique, but it is actually what um, makes them so talented and they can bring something really unique and special to the role in the organization that, that they themselves are the only ones that can bring. And so when I think about bringing talent into the organization, you know, there's, there's a lot of things obviously we screen for in an interview, but talent is so much more as we really focus on development mm. of that talent. And, and the first step is understanding what it is and how to best apply it in your team and, and also in, in your family and with your friends. I mean, your talents aren't just for work. They're, they're who you are. And uh, I think appreciating that in others um, and appreciating it in yourself is only going to continue to to help our organization skyrocket. Yeah, and so uh, around talent, um, you know, it can be a little, I'd say, ambiguous at times. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people think of, I like this person, so they must be talented. Right. I know that you're really big in in tools that provide data really to inform. Look, talent, all these things have got an art and a science to it. Mm-hmm. Everything can't just be a metric. But one of the tools that you brought to the table that I thought was really good was really around strengths and strengths finder. Can you talk a little bit about the strengths finder yeah. and how that kind of helps inform the way you identify talent? Yeah, um, I I am such a fan of the Gallup Strengths Finder. It is a listing of 34 strengths that everybody has, and you you take a an assessment where you you are effectively ranking the strengths in order of things that you feel very strongly about and things that are not as strong in your talent set. So for example, you know, you may get a question on this assessment that says, I love to meet new people or I like to read a book in my, in my book nook on a Saturday. And there's no right or wrong answer, right? But if you select, I love to meet new people, it's going to shoot up the strength that is winning others over, meeting new people and engaging with strangers because they're just friends we haven't met yet. Mm -hmm. And if you select the one that's about reading a book, it's going to give you a different strength. And, you know, I I think as as people, especially people that are driven to succeed, it's so easy for us all to get in the habit of focusing on what's not good things that we need to change about ourselves. And frankly, I would say society has also done this to us. I mean, if you think about it, when you got grades at school, what did you focus on the lowest grade, right? What did the teacher talk to your parents on, the lowest grade? Mm -hmm. What do we all focus on in performance reviews? The one that we don't get an outstanding on, right? Like, well, how do I improve that? And and what strengths helps us do is actually focus on the things that we're really great at. Mm. Because that's where, when you think about talent, that's where you're gonna get the biggest exponential growth. It's not the things I'm never going to be the person that walks into a party and is comfortable meeting 500 new people. I can do it, but if if that's my job, I'm probably not going to that's not going to be my best job. So instead of focusing on things that don't bring you energy and kind of drain you, you focus on the things that make you strong and add so much value that somebody else isn't able to do on a team. Yeah, wow, that's such a great point and, and a good reflection that sometimes we always we focus on the things that either are negative or that we're not great at rather than double downing on mm-hmm. the strengths and the skills that we actually have. Um, so shifting gears just, just a little bit on that, um, well, you talked about talent and, and we talked about bringing new talent in, mm-hmm. but you kind of hinted towards developing talent. Mm-hmm. 
And I know that in your role specifically and for the organization, um, using things like strengths finders, um, this whole element of development is really, really critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we build bridges, um, I look at building bridges as also getting around gaps. And so how we assess gaps, but then find, find ways to develop those skills within our associates. Can you talk a little bit about em- employee development and what role that plays and how you go about doing that? Maybe a couple examples. Yeah. So can I start with an analogy that I've thought a lot about Please. when it comes to development? So if you said to me today, hey, Sarah, I'm going to run a marathon. And this weekend, I went and got the book on how to run a marathon. And I read it. So I'm ready to go. And I, the marathon is actually Thursday. So will you come cheer for me? I'd be like, wait, no. I'm going to actually save you from that marathon. And in reality, what happens is you decide, I'm going to run a marathon. You probably do go buy a book, or maybe you listen to a podcast, or maybe you do some reading, and you put together your training plan. And you have weeks or months or maybe even years of training and experimenting with sneakers and with different times of the day that's comfortable. What food do you need to bring on that marathon to give you the energy? And what time do you need to eat that food? And over the course of a very long time, you're then ready to run that marathon. And I think about employee development the same way. So the, the analogy then to an employee saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to this seminar and then I'm going to be ready for the next job is the same as deciding you're going to run a marathon, reading a book, and signing up next week. What, what actually, the bridge that needs to be built is the experience between here's what I want to do and here's, where I'm gonna, here's how I'm going to get there. And I, I think that what we sometimes lose in this experience is that um, sometimes we lose that the experience is what prepares you for success. And that doesn't mean you're going to know everything when you walked in. There are things that I, when I took this job that I had never done before. But there was a lot that I had done enough of mm. that I knew I could jump the gap of the bridge. And, but if I had only had seven, you know, if I had only had 25% of the experience needed to be successful in this job, and your expectations are that we, um, that, that I was 75%, that's not, that's not a recipe for success. So when I think about how you can get from the bridge from where you are today to where you want, and, and I'll also say that I think that's a really hard question to answer. I remember when I was first asked, you know, a couple years into my career, what do you want to do in five to ten years? And I remember thinking, I don't even know how to answer that question. I don't even know what I'm qualified to do. I don't even know what jobs exist. It felt very overwhelming. And so one of the things that I've, as I've coached and mentored a lot of people that I've suggested they do is, pull a job description that we have today, or frankly, go pull postings that are just online for for roles that seem interesting to you. They don't have to exist today. Most of the jobs that exist today are not gonna exist in 10 years. So that's that's okay. But pull the job description and highlight the things on that job description that you're not sure that you have the right experience set or you don't know how you would go about owning that responsibility. And take it to your manager and say, these are things that I wanna develop in. 
what experiences, what projects, what, what other role maybe potentially in the organization could help me get the right experience set over the course of time in order for me to be most set up for success in that job. I like the example of instead of thinking about, you know, the total outcome, it's all the little steps that you have to do along the way, like running a marathon. You know, go from zero to running a marathon, you actually have to learn to run your first mile, right? Right, right. And after you run your first mile, maybe you get to a 5K, yeah. and then you get to a 10K, then a half marathon. And yeah, and it seems overwhelming until you start making a plan, which is why I'm so yeah, passionate right. about the IDP, the development plan, because when you, j- when you sit down and you say, okay, in year one, what, am I, what do I want to learn? What do I want to get mm-hmm. better at? And how is that a means to an end? We all know that people that set goals are way more likely to reach them. But just setting a goal without a plan is not enough either. Yeah. And it's okay. We have to ask people for help. We have to ask people how they would go about doing that plan. But everybody is so willing to help people grow. And yeah, develop. absolutely. It's a good point. So um, one of the last things we're going to talk a little bit about is something super critical. You know, as we've talked about collaboration and engagement, um, putting associates in the center of everything we do, talent and development. I think if you add all of these things together as an organization, it cre- really creates the fiber or the culture of, of a company. Um, having been here now for a little more than a year, uh, you've really got to experience and, and really help um, create uh, the culture of, of the organization. So why don't you talk a little bit about your definition and what you've seen so far of, of Chemcrest's culture um, and, and what we can continue to do to promote that. I remember on my first week reflecting, and this was a very big change for me. Mm-hmm. This, was, this was a really big decision, as you remember. Yeah. Uh, it took me... Coming from a large public company. Yes, with I had been there for almost 20 years. How many tens of thousands of associates? Yeah, 50,000. 50,000 people, global plants company. all over the world. Yes, and it was a big day. I, I loved working there. I didn't have any, I wasn't disgruntled. I didn't enjoy my team and my boss. And um, so there wasn't, there wasn't anything that I disliked, that I was running from, which is also yeah. a good time to leave a job when you're not running away. Run to something, Run not to from something, something. yes. yes. Um, and I, I remember feeling like it's gonna take me nine months, at least nine months. I just set my expectations that I would feel like I belonged. And I think it, I think it took me nine minutes. Hmm. And I, I think that really speaks to the, the culture of inclusion and care and support. And look, not everything is perfect. Nothing is perfect anywhere. But when you feel that people have your back, you can, you can learn all the things that you need to learn when you know somebody is going to pick you up when you say the wrong thing or you do the wrong thing or you make the wrong decision. Um, you know, when I think about culture, um, I really think about how people feel. Do they feel valued? Do they feel understood? Do they feel cared for? Do they feel uh, trusted? Do they feel like someone's investing in them? Do they feel like someone's paying attention to them, right? Um, especially in those early days when you're not really sure if you can ask a question, you know, does somebody, does somebody read your face and say, looks like you need a little <laughs> bit of help, right? right. Um, and, and those are, they're so intangible. Sometimes they're really hard. You're not going to see them, you're not going to see them on a tagline on a website, 
You know, you're going to feel them. So I think I think culture is how people feel, mm-hmm. how they relate to each other, how they genuinely care about each other. I, I also think culture is a verb. No, it's active. Mm. And it is a reflection collectively of every single person's behaviors mm. and thoughts and actions. It's a verb. I'm culturing today. You're culturing. <laughs> yeah, it is a verb. And, you know, I think that's why, you know, HR and leaders talk about toxic culture or toxic people. That's a verb too, mm-hmm. right? They're taking away from what we value so much in a culture. And so, you know, I think unless we're deliberate, about saying the things that are really important to us and holding ourselves and each other accountable to culturing Mm. in that way, it's very easy for it to slip. And I think we're at a critical point in our organization in this transformation, and we do have a lot of new talent. Yeah. And, And when there's a lot of change, great change, but when there's a lot of change, it's even more important to be deliberate and hold on to those things in very outward and physical ways that we don't want to lose as an organization. Yeah, that's that's. I love this. This is a new verb for me now. Culturing. Culturing. We all need to start culturing more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, kind of one of the last questions here, and and I think we've all heard kind of the example that the the cobbler wears no shoes, or the landscaper has weeds in their yard. <laughs> uh, it's usually because practitioners spend all of their time on others, mm-hmm. and sometimes forego themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, my coach, Kevin Lawrence, has the book uh, called Your Oxygen Mask First. And it's really about, you've gotta take care of yourself. You've gotta invest in yourself. You've gotta develop yourself because when you're in a leadership role, you've got impact and influence on so many people that are kind of modeling your behavior. So of the many things that I admire about you, one thing I know is personal and professional development is really key and core into, into what you do. I know you are constantly quoting podcasts and readings, and I've just learned today that you have a reading nook, which is pretty cool, I guess. I don't have a reading nook, but nonetheless. Um, so reflecting on your journey, you know, what are some of the key lessons that you've learned, and, and how do you continue to develop yourself? What are some of those kind of tools, and, and, and maybe even some learnings that you've taken from what you're doing for yourself. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, you know, I, I would say the thing that has been the most impactful um, in my career, and I, I know, I mean, I've heard this before, and so I'm sure this is not a new phrase to you or, or many of our listeners, um, but is being very selective around my personal board of directors and holding people from almost every season of my life around that table and um, I have while I haven't written them down although maybe I should my expectations of them um, I do have very high expectations of them in terms of being my truth tellers Mm. and calling me calling me to the mat or ensuring that I have a hard conversation that um, I would tell somebody else to have and hold them accountable to right I need people to do the same for me um, and also help me personally, right? When it feels like maybe I'm I'm over-indexing too much on work and not taking care of myself, right? I need people to um, to call me out and and help me through that. The other thing that I've realized, and I, I I didn't take advantage of it enough 
early in my career, I think because I worked at such a large organization and I always had such a large peer group um, in whatever function I was in, not just HR, um, sort of built into the organization that I don't have in this role, especially in the position I'm in. And I really have leaned into um, peer groups and networks, Mm. um, both from out, you know, people that I worked with and my previous organization that still work there have since left. And also, you know, reaching out when I listen to an HR leader on a podcast and and talk to them on LinkedIn and ask them a question, a follow up question on something they did. So I think I think some humility in in being this, you know, the cobbler's kids have no shoes and saying, I don't I don't want that for myself. I don't want that for my team. We have to keep growing and developing and taking care of ourselves. And there's so many ways to do that. Um, but I think it also has to be very deliberate. You have to decide this is something that you're going to make time for. Because I think in any job, HR is di- different in some ways, but frankly, any job will take every moment that you give it. Yeah. So if you don't carve out and say, this is also part of my job, is making sure I'm on the cutting edge and being innovative and um, being the best that I can be for the organization and the, and the teams that I support and my own HR team, um, then I'm not nearly going to be as as impactful in the organization. Yeah, that's great. So what I what I what I heard you say is really part of your personal and professional growth is really being able to engage with others, mm-hmm. and um, that does take an element of courage and vulnerability and, and humility to go to others. And, and often, you, people generally don't like to do that, right? We don't like to hide where we might have gaps. But as leaders, I think that's so critical to be able to be open. At least have your your tribe. You don't have to be open with everybody in the world, yep. but at least have your tribe yep. that that helps you and hopefully holds you accountable and, and maybe even inspires you to, to help build those bridges. So let's kind of close this up here. Um, I think this is a perfect kind of ending quote from my friend Oprah Winfrey, who says, "Building bridges requires courage, humility, and the willingness to meet people in the middle." Um, I think is not only as a HR professional, but as a, as a leader of an organization, that's such a, a, a critical way to think about things. It's not always on our time. It's about others and meeting them where they are and meeting them in the middle, um, just so we can all kind of win together. So this has been a, a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. I know I threw you a little off guard since I didn't go through the original script that you prepared so diligently for, but... <laughs> Hopefully our audience enjoys just a candid conversation. You know, some of the things that we really talked about were the element of building bridges and how important it is uh, really in our society, I think, in in an environment where people are almost cutting down bridges. They just want to be insulated and they want their thoughts and ideas. And I think in an organization, especially an organization that values diversity and inclusion and acceptance of others, the elements that we talked about, collaboration, engagement, putting associates in the center of everything we do, talent, talent development, how all of that leads to culture, and then, of course, personal and professional development for ourselves. I think all of those things really come into play as we continue to build out a world-class organization. I'll kind of hand it over to you. Any final thoughts or um, tidbits of information or or anything you'd like to share with, with the group listening here? Well, I'd like to to thank you for this opportunity. It was really fun to spend some time talking to you about these things uh, and and share some perspectives um, with the organization. And I I guess maybe my my closing 
my closing thought is, you know, when I think about what HR is put on this earth to do, the functions put on the earth to do, it is to serve others. Mm. And um, and I, I love that quote from Oprah as, as you think about meeting people where they are, meeting them in the middle. And that requires um, talking a lot less than you listen and cre- co-creating solutions that really meet the needs. And you can't do that if, if you haven't spent time truly being present and listening. And I think as, as, an, as an organization, I hope that um, you all feel that from the HR organization that we are here to serve and we are here to um, be a coach through anything that's, that's happening personally or professionally in, in our associates' lives. And um, our, our role is to help make this organization successful. And, and the way that we do that is by helping each individual person be successful and reach their aspirations. Great. So thank you so much. That really concludes our podcast for today. So I want to take a minute and thank all of the listeners for uh, staying engaged for the last 30 minutes and uh, would ask you all to uh, continue to look for the next podcast episode that's coming out soon. So thank you all. Have a great day. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Building Bridges. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, make sure to click the link in this description to keep up to date with future guests.